Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 19 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today, I have a very special guest on. Her name is Chrissy. She's from Tennessee, and she's Caleb's mom. She holds a special place in my heart because she was the first person that I really had heard from and knew that this podcast was reaching people and helping people. It was the first real encouragement that I got. Uh, She gave me that encouragement by just putting a review on iTunes about a week after I published my first episode. This was only about five or six weeks after her son Caleb had died. She told me that she began looking for a podcast that would talk about child loss and be inspirational. So she googled those words and up came my podcast. So she began listening and she says it's been helpful to her which really gives me so much encouragement to go on when I'm having days that aren't as good. So thank you so much, Chrissy, for that, for that encouragement. A couple months after she started listening, she reached out to me by email, and then we had a very long phone conversation where she told me her story and Caleb's story. And I asked her then if she would be willing to share it Knowing that she certainly might not, it's a painful story, and it's so recent and so, so raw, but she felt very strongly that she wanted to share Caleb's story with as many people as she could so as to help others and prevent these types of tragedies from happening. So thank you, Chrissy. I admire you so, so much. I hope you all enjoy our conversation. Thank you so much, Chrissy, for agreeing to be on the show today. I really appreciate it. I know how tough this is. Yes, thank you for having me. I know you said earlier today you are on day 148. Yes. I think back to those times when, you know, you used to count in days and Then I think I went to weeks and now I'm more like months and I can't even imagine what it will be like when we start counting in years because it just feels so heavy. It does. So heavy. Yeah. I can't believe it's nearly 150 days. I know. I know. So I want to start out by having you just tell the audience about your wonderful son, Caleb. Okay, I would love to. Uh, Caleb was 17 years old. He was an amazing son. He was a very um, loving big brother to his two little sisters. He was a very loyal friend. He was happy, full of life. He was incredibly lovable, caring, funny, uh, compassionate. Um, He was always enthusiastic, 
charming personality. He had an infectious smile. He gave the best hugs. Um, he was just very good natured. He was a very good listener. Um, he was just a lot of fun to have as a son. Um, he was affectionate, uh, never afraid to um, give hugs or kisses on the cheek in front of anyone. Um, he was just a great, uh, very loving, very understanding um, son. Yeah, he sounds wonderful. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us a little bit of what happened with Caleb. Um, Caleb um, had was three days into his senior year of high school. He um, he had worked the previous two summers as a lifeguard and loved doing that very much. Um, he was a volunteer in our community for the lower income housing area. He was very um, involved in his youth group. He had went on a mission trip to Paraguay um, this summer and really had a great time um, there and grew in his faith while he was there. So, you know, um, what happened to us on August 12th really came out of the clear blue sky. Um, we had a busy evening planned of different um, activities and things where the family needed to be. And um, in the evening hours of Monday, August 12th, um, like I said, devastation came out of the clear blue sky when Caleb died suddenly and tragically by suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and here we are 148 days later, um, talking to someone I never thought I would ever need to talk to about a story I never thought I'd have. No, no. I know we talked earlier and I remember you saying that other people came up to you and said, there's no way I ever thought in a million years this would happen to Caleb. Exactly. Um, They said to me, you know, if we had to um, put all of the teens from our youth group, uh, you know, in in order of who we thought might ever consider taking their life, um, that Caleb wouldn't even be on that list. Mm-hmm. And um, that's very true. So I could just tell you a little bit about what happened that evening yeah. and that day. Um, it was a Monday and he had went to school. He had, had had a good day at school. It was really only his second full day of school that school year. And he had had a good day. Um, and when I got home from uh, work that evening, we had a couple of exchanges, uh, conversations and whatnot. And um, my husband was leaving to take our youngest daughter across town for her first soccer practice. So they had just left. And then I was about to leave for my oldest daughter's um, horse riding lesson, which is about 30 minutes away. And Caleb was planning to go to a scrimmage football game at his high school. Um and I had said goodbye and um, had turned to leave when I saw a bedroom light on. And so it just caught my attention. I turned back around down the hallway to turn off the light. And when I walked past uh, the bathroom, Caleb was in there and I saw him through the corner of my eye slip something in his pocket. And I looked at him and I said, what was that? And he said it was nothing. And he kind of had that, oh, no, <laughs> I've been caught, you know, deer, Mm -hmm. deer in the headlights look on in his eyes. Um, after, after a few minutes, um, of me asking him and him denying was anything, he reached in his pocket, he sat down and he dropped an e-cigarette on the floor. 
Mm-hmm. And without me even saying a word, I could see that he was already very ashamed and upset with himself. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, I said, Caleb, um, kids are dying because of these. You know, this isn't right. He said, I know. Um, we, I asked questions. He answered them without any arguing. Um, I reminded him that, you know, I've always, um, from when they were born, um, prayed that if they were doing something wrong, that they would be caught so we could always work it out together. And Mm -hmm. he said, yeah, you're right. You caught me. And, um, I, I told him he wasn't allowed to leave the house that night because, you know, (laughs) was in trouble. I was parenting him. And, um, I said, I got to go. And by this time I was going to be late. So I was uh, trying to get out trying to hurry out the door and he said to or I I turned to leave and I felt a very strong prompting from God to tell Caleb that I loved him Mm -hmm. and I just thought well yeah we just had a little bit of a exchange I I want to tell him I love him before I leave so I did I turned and I looked at him and I said I love you I have to go and I left and Mm -hmm. um, the last time I looked at my son was him sitting in, in the bathroom um his hands were crossed over each other. His shoulders were slumped down. His head was hanging low. Um, I just figured we'd talk about it later when I got home that night, hug it out, work mm-hmm. it out like we always did. Um, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. later never came. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> I drove about 30 minutes away to the writing room. Um, I wanted to call my husband and talk to him about what had just happened. Um, but to protect Caleb's privacy, I waited until, um, we had arrived and my daughter was out of the car. And so I called my husband and I, I told him what had happened and asked him to call Caleb. And I knew that if he, I just had this feeling if he called me right back, that something was wrong. Cause that means Caleb didn't answer the phone and he mm-hmm. did. He called me back and said he didn't answer. So I'm starting to get a little worried um i'm calling there's no answer i mean i'm calling calling texting texting um my husband was headed home by this time and was just sure that everything was going to be fine and um Mm. you know even after a disagreement he would never ignore us he would have answered or he would have texted um he wasn't answering and it really wasn't until um i was getting pretty frantic and worried um i i went on to Instagram to send Caleb a message or Instagram to please answer the phone. And I had Mm -hmm. noticed it said that he hadn't been active for an hour. And Mm -hmm. right that minute, my heart knew that something terrible had happened. I I didn't know what, but um, that's not, that's not like him. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially to be home alone and kind of, I just figured he was hanging out playing video games, you know, on, on his phone, talking to friends or, watching TV. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my husband um, did get home and we have GPS on all of our phones. And so I did see when he had arrived and I called and he ignored my call. And I thought, well, maybe he was um, talking to Caleb. Exactly. And mm -hmm. he doesn't want me to interrupt. And so I was like, I waited a few seconds and I was just really frantic wanting to know that he was okay. And um, I called again. And he answered the phone and he said, he's not okay. And I I just, I screamed, what happened? And he said, he got my gun. 
And I just remember yeah. screaming and running and just like trying to process what I had just heard, not really knowing what exactly was the, the depth of everything. Um, mm-hmm. And he said, I have to go. I have to call 911. And I screamed, mm-hmm. is he okay? And he said, no, he's not okay. I have to call 911. So uh, I, I did, I was adamant to drive home. Um, I I got my daughter, my other daughter, and I did drive home. And just when I arrived here, it flew into my husband's arms. We were just trying to process what was happening with uh, police cars all in front of our house. And Mm-hmm. We had a couple of and he, you were you were outside at that point. Yes. Um, they never mm-hmm. allowed me back in the house. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I did not. I was not in the house uh, that night. Um, we by this time, we had some friends here with us and our past service here. Um, and when I, I got home, my um, youngest daughter came running to me. And she was with my husband when he was found. She came running to me crying, said, Mommy, Caleb shot himself. Yeah. Yeah. How old is she? She's seven. She was six at the time. She's now seven. Um, We ended up uh, leaving with our friends that night. They took us to their house. And, um, And, of course, by this time, it was pretty late. And uh, they gave me something to help me sleep. Um, and as what I woke up to the next morning was the sound of my husband crying. Yeah. And I was in a, a room in a house that wasn't mine. And it was in that moment that I knew it was real. Yeah. Because really, it just doesn't seem real, it, does it? It felt like a nightmare. And as I'm waking up to the sound of my husband crying, I just... I, I knew that it really happened and that our son really did die the night that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that as well. I remember we were in the hospital room and my husband, it was about three o'clock in the morning and I had, I must've fallen asleep for a few minutes and woke up to him just sobbing. It's a yeah. horrible feeling. It's a horrible thing to hear. It was. It really was. And uh, everything kind of gets a little bit blurry <laughs> at this point, oh, as, you, yeah. as you know. Uh, yeah. My husband did really amazing um, in the beginning. of He he was a soldier for 24 years, um, retired from the military. So he kind of went into that mindset um, and was able to take care of all of those um, important and horrible details um, in those first yeah. few days. Um, you know, I, I did uh, go with him to the funeral home because I felt like as his mom, I needed to um, mm-hmm. uh, to help pick out, you know, the casket and things. Yeah. And as I'm standing there, not really, not believing that I'm picking out a casket for my son, um, it just hit me that, you know, one week ago, I was taking pictures of his first day of his senior year. And yeah. one week later, I'm trying to pick out a casket. And it yeah. was just surreal. Yep. I know. Yeah, it just doesn't seem real at all. 
And I know one, you know, big thing that you wanted to focus on today is when people talk about dying by suicide, there is always the kind of assumption that it's a person who has considerable mental illness or depression or something like that. But that is just not always the case. And it's not, not the case with Caleb at it, all. It is absolutely not the case with Caleb. Um, you know, I, I never thought I'd have to be a voice against that stigma, you know, that comes along with suicide. That There's depression, there's mental illness, there's, you know, lots of family troubles and whatnot. Um, I, and I have this unfortunate um, opportunity here to educate people um, that depression is not always um, have to be a factor. Uh, mm-hmm. Caleb was not depressed. Um, he did not want to die. He was happy. He loved his family. He loved his life. Um, he had many mm-hmm. goals, dreams, and future plans for himself. Um, but what we have learned and kind of uh, come to understand over the last nearly five months is that, um, you know, as Christians, we know that the enemy works through our weaknesses. And he manipulates us in our times of vulnerability. Um, Mm -hmm. Even though Caleb had great faith and he was brought up in the church his whole life, um, he was he was a teenager who uh, whose brain was not fully developed, Mm -hmm. who made quick Mm -hmm. and rash decisions and that he sometimes regretted. And that awful Monday evening, he made a spontaneous and impulsive choice that he couldn't take back. Yeah. Um, in that moment where he found himself just defeated, um, he he listened to that voice of the enemy who tricked him into believing that picking up that gun was a solution to quiet the way he was feeling about himself. Yeah, made him feel that you know he what? was more of a burden um, than anything else, and you know didn't didn't let Caleb think that he was making a permanent decision for a temporary problem. Mm-hmm. And you think just, you know, just him thinking for just a few seconds, just a few seconds yes, would have changed everything. It would have right? changed everything. Um, he couldn't see beyond that moment because mm-hmm. um, if he had thought about us, he would have never done it. Caleb would no. have never wanted to hurt us like this. His friends, his youth group, his school, never. He's um, just such a caring kid. Yes, he really was, but um, I've come to see some verses that I've only read about um, actually happening literally right in front of me. You know, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, and that, Mm -hmm. you know, the enemy, our devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and the enemy, he, he waits for the exact moment that he needs to speak lies to our children. And he takes advantage of those opportunities. Caleb never, ever would have wanted to hurt us. Um, my husband and I, at, at his viewing, when we were um, viewing his body for the first time, I just had this very strong uh, feeling and vision of Caleb just standing between us with one arm around me and one arm around his dad, you know, as I was looking at him. And I could just hear him saying, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to do it and that he would take it back if he could. Oh, I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would. 
it just, you know, I obviously being a pediatrician, I take care of so many teens and they do just make such spontaneous dumb choices they I mean, do kids just do they do Their brains just aren't developed and they just do things that are just so rash and impulsive and that's why they get into trouble yes for these choices but and they absolutely wow. do and I can relate I, I was once a teenager and I did impulsive and spontaneous things all the time um <laughs> that should have you know I should have ended up uh you know um either uh arrested or you know um in a car accident or something like that you know um and so Mm -hmm. i had an opportunity to speak to some of his school friends who were really struggling to understand and um, i invited them to the house and we just sat around and talked and you know and i said just that i said have you ever made an impulsive and spontaneous choice that you you regretted later and they both you know kind of giggled yes i do that all the time you know and Mm -hmm. i said that's exactly what happened to caleb I said only he couldn't take back what he did. Yeah. And in that moment, I kind of saw a light go on and they just understood a little bit better because they are 17 and they can relate mm-hmm. to making bad decisions. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just this was the one decision that you can't undo, like you said. Can't, you can't, can't, you can't undo. fix it. You can't and. I wish we could. And I, you know, I've done all of the if onlys and oh, the I oh, should no. haves. And, you know, what if I had done this? What if I didn't do that? Or why, what if I didn't turn around and see him in the bathroom? Then everything would have been fine. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, oh, no. friends have just really poured into me and my family that I was um, coming from a place of love and concern for my child. Oh, yes. As I would have any day or any time that I caught him doing something he wasn't supposed to do. Um, And you were being a great parent, a wonderful parent. And, you know, you were doing the right thing for sure. I was, but it was unfortunately my last parental act. And so it has left me with an immense amount of uh, guilt and anger. Mm-hmm. that you know I, I was being just that I was being a mom who cared about her son and yeah and, um, they didn't and wanted him turn... to make good decisions exactly yeah. and the thing that I struggle with is that he already knew he did he, he knew that he wasn't doing the right thing and I didn't need to say a word um, yeah. but I didn't know you know and no. That wasn't even the worst. I mean, it wasn't even much of an argument at all. Um, no. It, it it wasn't the worst we've ever had. I mean, there have been worse uh, times that we disagreed with each other. But we always had that opportunity to talk about it later and hug it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you did say, I love you at the I end. Did. I mean, that those were the last words you said to your son. And I'm so glad those were the last words you said to your son. Me right? too. And you can remember that saying yes, those. Yes, I, I do. I did say that. And I am glad that I told him that. And he knew that I loved him very much. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, 
I just, I, I, I really wish that, of course, that it would never have happened. But I am glad yes. that I have only good memories with my son. You know, yes. there are some moms out there who can't say the same and uh, mm -hmm. didn't have such a great relationship uh, maybe with their child. Uh, but I did, and I'm very grateful for that, that we had a, a very loving and close relationship. Yeah, I remember you telling me that you would talk on the phone all the time. What was it when you were coming home from work? Yes, or yes. I would call yeah. him as soon as I left work and would just chat with him on my way about his day, about the evening or whatever. And uh, and then, you know, my I, I took about uh, five, six weeks off work. And that first Monday back at work was really hard when I left the parking lot and couldn't call him. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny how those little things can be so big. Yes. You know, those are the ones that get you or the things that you don't expect. I'm sure that day you didn't expect the drive home is going to be awful today. I actually didn't, not until I got in my car. I hadn't mm -hmm. even thought about that. And when I got in my car and tried to, or started to pull away and drive home is when I... I realized, wait a second, something's not right. And uh, mm -hmm. I couldn't call him. So mm -hmm. it's very hard. Um, you know, I read a, I read a quote in a book shortly after um, in, in the early weeks. Um, and it said, hindsight does no good for the dead child. Things can no longer be undone. Therefore, it is nothing more than an exercise of futility. Yeah. And I've really tried to remember that because hindsight is not my friend <laughs> no uh, no and it's hard though because you need to remind yourself and you need to say that out loud to yourself all the time yes I, I I do because mm. because because you're like okay this time I'm gonna say it and this time I'm going to believe it and mm -hmm. this time I'm gonna be able to let go right and that just doesn't work but then when I I look in that bathroom I see him sitting there when I go into my room which is where he was found uh my room is like a prison yeah and i'm sure it is uh, it, it it's um been incredibly difficult uh, as as you know to yeah. to sort of find your way and and move forward um i i i'm not proud at all to say that i'm in therapy or i mean i am proud <laughs> Um, yeah, I was going to say, I, yeah, you should be proud. That's what I'm, yeah, I, um, I started therapy really quickly. I think the next, uh, just one week after, um, mm -hmm. about two or three weeks after I started taking an antidepressant of sleeping medication. Um, I read a lot of books. Yeah. I do a lot of journaling. Um, mm -hmm. those are some things that I have found helped me greatly. I, I wasn't really a journaler before. Um, I, I I am now, and I, I it's one thing that really helps me um, mm -hmm. is to journal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's helpful too, just to write, to write. Yes, I have a um, mm -hmm. a spiral notebook too that I kind of jot little notes down here and there when I think of something, um, and so I have that too that I can look back over if I read something that. Um, helped me or didn't help me, I'll write it down and then I can look mm -hmm. back over it later and remember. Mm -hmm. I know somebody gave me um, a little notebook that it was kind of a leather bound kind of notebook that yeah. said 
be still on the on the front and that be still and know that I am God is was Andy's favorite Bible verse. So right. that's the that's the one I took to journal in because I felt like it was you know yes, it was right that, it was right to journal exactly in that book. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. I I had ordered one on Amazon and I was like, okay, I guess I'll try this and uh, and um, and it has helped a lot. Um, I've learned a lot through therapy as well. And just reading mm-hmm. a lot of books. I, I love to read anyway, but I, I mean, before this, I loved reading like historical fiction, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And now it's like I have this stack of books on grief and child loss and, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, bereave, bereavement and um, just trying to understand uh, the messiness and how confusing grief can be and just really what it is, you know, um, I'm, I'm not, I, I had suffered some tragedies in the past. You know, I had lost two babies back to back. Um, mm-hmm. I was about 12 weeks and, and then 10 weeks with the other one. Um, I lost my dad, um, four years ago to lung cancer very quickly. And, um, but my grief with my dad was kind of, you expect to lose your parents at some point. And so I know it's, it's mm-hmm. way different because um, you kind of expect it. And so it's a little cut and dry for me when mm-hmm. I lost my dad. Um, but with Caleb, with losing your child, it's not at all. It's not. <laughs> it is completely the opposite of cut and dry. Yeah. Because it's losing your future. It, yes. Instead. I mean, losing your parent is losing your past. And yes. It's, it's painful to lose your past. Yes. But- it is not as painful as losing your future. No. And, you know, I, I, we lost our future as a family with Caleb. Um, I mm-hmm. lost my future with him. Um, we, we lost our future of getting to watch him graduate high school and begin college. And, you know, everything that he had ever dreamed of was gone in, mm-hmm. in the blink of an eye. And so we definitely grieved that for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's a big part of the grief, I think, grieving the future. Yes. I, I didn't really understand what grief was <laughs> until this happened to me. Um, yeah. Isn't that funny? Because yeah. you think you should, right? You do. You think... But mm-hmm. then it happens. And like uh, my therapist said to me one day, um, you were hit in the face with a baseball bat. And I just mm-hmm. thought, that's the most realistic description I think I can say was that. I do feel like I was hit in the face with a baseball bat out of nowhere and I've just been trying to pick myself up ever since and grief is Mm -hmm. is just like I said it's very messy it's um you you feel one way one minute and one way another minute and yes it's very difficult to maneuver through all yeah, of the it's, different... it's funny that you know they uh the stages of grief I just think that's just so ridiculous I do too no I mean it yes. is not it is it is so messy yes. it is like a three-year-old scribbling it is, it is not it is not yes. a stages you know Absolutely. that you go through it's just all over the place there's no rhyme or reason to it and yeah. even within the same breath I mean you can have all of these different feelings um of grief just in the matter of 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 a a simple breath Mm -hmm. Um, oh yeah Yeah. one thing i i you know struggle with um i mentioned it a little bit was i guess a stage of grief they can say um is powerlessness 
And mm-hmm. for me, my powerlessness to have prevented it. You know, because as, as parents, as moms, uh, we spend every day of our child's mm-hmm. life for trying to protect them. Yes. And yes. when something like this happens, you just feel completely powerless that you were not able mm-hmm. to prevent it. And oh, yeah. that's a really hard uh, mountain to um, make your way up and around is that I, I wasn't able to stop it. And my mm-hmm. my child found himself in a very dark place by himself and I wasn't there. And he was hurting here in the house by himself. And yeah. I know though that um, God did not cause this to happen. I do know that God was there when it happened. Mm-hmm. And that he was right there waiting for Caleb. And, and now he is um, he's safe and he's under the protection of, um, yeah. of God. You know, I had said to my friend one day, I had said, I have always prayed that God would protect my children. And she said, well, isn't he under God's protection now? And it just helped me to kind of see it in a different light. I can't yeah. say that that, that brings me. That is a helpful me, comment. <laughs> it is helpful. I can't say that it brought me a whole lot of comfort um, just because. No, but it just made me cry just yeah, hearing that. Just obviously because, you know, you want your child here with you. And you don't want them um, in heaven yet. But knowing that he is. I'm not. You're not ready for just God to protect no. him. You want to protect him too. Yes. I, I wasn't done with Caleb yeah. by any means. And, you know, I, when I said, you know, I have always prayed for God to protect him. Why didn't God protect him from, the, from this happening? And she said, I can't answer that for you, but I do know that he is under God's protection now. And I'm grateful for that. Definitely. That is a really powerful statement. Yes. Some, uh, of course, uh, kids have their weaknesses as well. And um, I do want to bring that up because Caleb was an amazing son, but he he did have some weaknesses um, that may have also led him to feel the way he did that night, which was that he never felt that he was good enough really for anything. Um, He had really, really high expectations of himself. And just beginning his senior year, he wasn't quite where he wanted to be on paper. (laughs) Um, for somebody who is going to be applying for colleges and things like that. And he was really um, down on himself about that. So he he was quite overwhelmed beginning his senior year, um, feeling like he wasn't good enough. So putting pressure on himself. A lot of pressure on himself. And, you know, one thing that leads to that kind of, my therapist calls it flipping the lid, where your brain is no longer thinking logically, um, Mm -hmm. is, is stress is being overwhelmed and being stressed and he he was in that place beginning his senior year and um and then when I had caught him with that and I knew that it wasn't something that he wanted to do he had just found himself kind of trying it out and things um he that just made everything worse for him and he um didn't think that he had the resources to help him through whatever he was feeling. So, yeah. I know my husband had said to me when Andy 
was the one killed in the car accident and not his little brother, Peter. He, he said to me that it was probably better that it was Andy and not Peter because he thinks that Andy would have taken his own life just because mm-hmm. he, he didn't have some of those skills, those, some, some of those coping skills, you know, he had, yeah. he had ADHD. And so those brains are even more kind yes. of spontaneous and he would jump, jump high and low really, really quick. And Eric said, I, I, I really don't think Andy would have been able to live without Peter. Oh, goodness. And Peter's just yeah. got a little tougher yeah. personality that way. He just copes. I mean, certainly yeah. it's been horrible, yes. but he can cope a little better um, than his big brother probably could have. Yes. So, yeah, that's... And it's hard to make that kind of statement that if you had to lose one it was probably the right one oh goodness yeah but it's but it's likely true in that I don't know how Andy would have coped so yeah yeah it is tough and I do think about that a lot with Caleb I mean since we've spoken that first time about wondering if kids that have like some attention struggles mm-hmm. and other kinds of struggles that aren't depressed at all. Yeah. You know, Andy wasn't depressed in the least either, but I do think he would have made more spontaneous kind mm-hmm. of decisions. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, I think that's something to think about too. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about this for your own kids is just what, you know, how they cope. Yes. And, um, Yes. Yeah. Um, I did want to share one thing that um, is a big comfort to me. Uh, one of his teachers brought an assignment of his um, from Friday, August 9th, which was the first uh, full day of school. Uh, his criminal justice teacher brought um, an assignment titled This Year's Goals. And I wanted to read it. And Caleb's goals for the year were to make the soccer team to grow spiritually and be more confident in faith, to reach out and meet new people, to bring people closer to faith, to motivate myself to work out more, be more confident speaking in front of people. And that is what my 17-year-old son wrote down for his assignment on Friday, August 9th. And I don't know what happened from Friday to Monday. But this yeah. is a great comfort to me, knowing that oh, yes. he wrote this at school. Um, he wasn't, you know, forced to write it. He wrote it because he meant it, and because they truly were his goals. Mm-hmm. And I'm so honored to have been his mom. Yeah. And to have this comfort that I can read in his own handwriting, that he wanted to reach out and meet new people and bring close people closer to faith. And I've just thought since I read that, that he is doing that without even having to say a word. Yeah. Through his story, he is bringing people closer to him. Yeah. Yes, I'm certain that he is. I'm certain he is. And he has. I mean, um, at the services, kids would, students and classmates would come up to us in one, uh, Co-worker told me, Caleb impacted my life for Christ. 
and they just told us how proud we should be that we have that we had such a great son and you know he even in his death he is still making us proud as people just love to talk about him and his old youth pastor called us two nights ago and told us that he spoke um in a uh, a conference of about 250 youth stood up on that stage and shared Caleb's story with tears streaming down his face because he knew that God can use it. And if anybody can be, you know, comforted um, knowing that they are, their feelings and their grief are validated, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm so fresh and new and, and everything is still so raw for me. Mm-hmm. just to know that my my feelings and my emotions are validated is huge oh yeah and that it's so, so normal and yes so okay to not yes. be okay exactly yeah. exactly and yeah. you know I really haven't been um okay um I <laughs> I get swallowed up yeah. by my couch quite a bit and I have days where I just sit and cry yeah because it's all that's all I can do yep I still have times like that too yeah and we're at 16 months so and that's kind of what scared me in the I mean it still kind of makes it still scares me but um in the early days of knowing that this is this is not gonna change yeah that this is this is the way it is now and how are we gonna how how am I gonna live with this this is so daunting and overwhelming knowing that Caleb is gone from this life forever Mm -hmm. and that you know that's very overwhelming and so I try to uh, stay in the moment as much as possible and just kind of the one day at a time type of thing Uh Um, and that's hard but I am getting better at that yeah I think that is important and I think now even even you just at almost five months can start to look back a little bit to say okay let's look back and see how I was three months ago yes and and I'm hoping you can say that you are a little bit better than you were three months ago. I can say that. And also Mm -hmm. like friends of mine um, who have been with me literally every minute of this tragedy, um, they, they have told me, you know, and they share with me ways that they have seen me grow and ways that they Mm -hmm. have seen me get stronger and a little bit better over, over the last um, 148 days. And that helps give me confidence that, I am making it, <laughs> you know, right. I, I can't, I don't feel like I am. I don't see that I am, but when they mm-hmm. tell me that I am and they help me see, then I'm like, then I can, I, I do feel like, okay, I think I, I think I'm doing this. I think maybe I can do this, you know, um, some days it's easier than others, uh, to mm-hmm. believe that. But on uh, new year's day, I woke up really early and I drove a little over an hour to a state park where I knew the I had seen that the sunrise was a really good place to watch and um I did I I I hiked up a little bit and I got to the spot and I sat and I waited for the sun to rise on January 1st 2020 and I I sat there by myself and I just 
thought on the the, the last you know four and a half months and mm-hmm. how, how different life is from just a year ago from six months ago and I could see that I have made um, some progress and that I have healed a, a tiny bit and that I also am I do have this desire to help others and to share our story. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I watched the sun come up, um, it reminded me of God's sovereignty, of God's goodness. Mm-hmm. It, I needed, I needed that. I needed to watch the sun come up this year. Um, and you know, this was supposed to be Caleb's year, supposed to graduate, and a lot was supposed to happen, and he's not here, and that's not going to happen. And so watching the sunrise to me was just a, a, the way that I needed to start my year. And it was very um, good for me. That is beautiful. Yeah. And I admire you for that. I do. That is, it was, that is amazing. That it was that. just something I had decided on New Year's Eve. And um, I, I wasn't doing any of the festivities or anything. And I... I usually take a video of my kids. Um, it's been a tradition that I take a video on New Year's Eve and we talk about the previous year and we kind of talk about the year to come. And then the next year we watch, we watch the years and then we record a new one. And um, I decided I wasn't going to do that with the girls anymore. That just kind of that tradition kind of ended um, last year in 2018. And so I decided, you know what, I, I need to wake up early and I need to go watch the sunrise. So I went to bed early and I got up early and uh, kind of helped me uh, breathe in and out a little bit easier after watching that. So it was good. So how have your girls been and your husband? Oh, um, my husband. So you, you know how, how they can be. Um, he was really amazing in the beginning and after probably about four, four weeks, he could see that I was kind of doing a little bit better. I was able to, you know, eat a little bit better and, and take care of myself a little bit more. Um, so when I started doing that, he kind of started um, breaking down a little bit. Yeah. And um, he, he has struggled, but he is, you know, he can, he can kind of put it away when he needs to and pull it out when he wants to and, and that type of thing um and so he's you know he's he's hurting deeply obviously um but he's doing pretty well um our daughters are doing better um jordan um she's my youngest she's seven she was with my husband when caleb was Mm -hmm. found and uh, she did some amazing play therapy with a great uh, therapist children's therapist and um in the early days, she was not willing to talk about Caleb. She didn't want to hear his name. She didn't want to look up pictures. She definitely didn't want to see him at the viewing. Um, she did end up crying at the at the service, which I was glad because she allowed herself to feel. Yeah. But she um, she's doing better. She she enjoys looking at pictures. Uh, oh, that's good. She does. She'll she'll look at pictures, and she has um, the very last picture that I took of Caleb is actually him laying on the couch with his baby sister holding her. They were kind of tickling and laughing and playing around, and that was the last picture I took of him, and that was on Saturday, August tenth, um, and um, mm-hmm. that she has that taped to her her um, headboard. 
Oh, good. Yes, she likes having it there. That had to have been hard for you. Yes. To have her not want to even look at pictures. It was very difficult. Um, And even now, she she does find herself uncomfortable if there's people over and we're talking about Caleb or she sees me crying or different things like that. She she begins to act out. um, And that's Uh how she expresses her grief. And so she does. I do still see that she finds herself uncomfortable. Uh, when sometimes when we're talking about him, but for the most part, she has come a long way and being young is in her favor, <laughs> um, unfortunately, because yeah. she um, can not, not that she'll forget, but she'll tend to just remember the good and, and she won't think on the, on the bad. She won't think on the, the horribleness of, that she saw that night. And um, yeah. I'm starting to see that a little bit more that she remembers more of the good things. Uh, My older daughter uh, is 14. She was 13 at the time. She's 14 now. She is a very brave and very courageous uh, young lady. And she's incredibly smart. Um, She misses her brother deeply. In the last um, month or so, I've seen her kind of take a turn back downhill where she is expressing her grief out on her little sister um, verbally. She gets, um, you know, as little sisters can be a little frustrating and annoying at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is kind of taking her grief out on her, not, not intending to. And so that is something that we are working on. And she's definitely not meaning to hurt her, uh, her little sister's feelings at all. But, you know, um, PTSD is a real thing. And um, it is definitely evident in all of us in different ways. And so we're working with her um, in therapy and having her journal and um, she just doesn't really know what words to say. So I I have her just go in her room and write down how she's feeling or write Caleb a letter so that she can tell him how she feels or something she wants to talk to him about. And that Mm -hmm. seems to help her. That's good. Uh, She's um, good. It's tough. It's tough. It is very tough. And she has been a horse rider since she was seven so half her life and um she doesn't really she doesn't want to go back to that uh, because that's where she was when um he when we found out and um so we're talking with her about that and we're going to try to get her just to go back and and try you know little by little and see mm-hmm. it because i know it would play a big part in her healing to go mm-hmm. back and be with horses again so um, yeah, I, I think it would too. I, but I can see that. I can see why yes. she would dread doing that. She does, you know? and I th- I think though uh, that in time she little by little I think you know uh, we can get her back into it, and that it would be good for her. So, mm-hmm. and music has also played a big part for them. Um, they're in piano and voice lessons, and at their recital. Um, my older daughter sang a song, uh, You Say by Lauren Daigle. And it was her first time singing in front of anyone but family. And she sang that to the at, at the recital and dedicated it to her brother. Mm. That's beautiful. So music has also played a big part. That's good. Well, hopefully you can get her back to the horses, yes. I think. We're going to try. It reminds me a little bit of, of Peter. Um, you know, both boys always loved playing soccer, and they played soccer together mm-hmm. outside at, in our yard every single day. 
Um, they both loved it. And although Peter was actually a little better than Andy, um, mm-hmm. he's just a little more talented. But it, it was so painful to him to play. And yes. he won't practice. He oh. won't go out in the yard. I mean, he's, he's not gone out in the yard and played soccer oh, at all no. since Andy died. Mm-hmm. But it was very, very, very hard to get him to continue to play. He yeah. didn't want to play. And then I didn't want to make him play. And then my husband's like, I think we kind of should. Yeah. Because I think overall it will end up being a comfort to him. Yes. Because it is something that they did together. So mm-hmm. I see that a little bit. I see a little bit of a parallel, <clears throat> excuse me, with the uh, horseback riding too, right? Because it's yes. something that she loved she, yes. so much and she just now has such a bad memory associated with it. But she does. There are so many other good ones. There are. And that's what we're, we're talking to her about and her therapist is talking with her. And um, we have a plan in place to sort of um, get her back there and it, and it, it honestly, it starts with me. Um, she wants me to go there by myself first, um, okay. so that I can kind of get that out of the way. Um, uh, you know, go back to the place where I was when I found out, and yeah. kind of deal with that. And then um, she wants to go back to the barn with someone other than uh, her her dad or I, so that she can mm-hmm. just drive there and uh, just see the barn and just see the horses. And then to come home, she wants them to drive her home a different way mm-hmm. because that drive home was horrible. Yeah. And so she wants to go home a different way. And then maybe the next time she goes, she'll be willing to, uh, you know, tack the horse or get on the horse or just stay a little bit longer with the horses. And then maybe the next time she'll get on it and go for a ride and just mm-hmm. little by little. So, mm-hmm. and I actually, I think it's uh, very understandable that she wants to have you go first. Yes. Because she really wants to make sure that eventually you will be able to go there, right? Exactly. And and if you can do it, she can do it. So I can see that that makes a lot of sense. It does. To want to do that. It does. Um, And so just with the weather and different things, um, I have not made that a huge priority but I I will be doing that um because I I want her to go back and I think once she's there and she's with the horses again she'll remember the good and Mm -hmm. she'll remember oh you know why she loves being there so much Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah one thing that's very hard is to remember the good you know we tend to get caught up in the awful Oh, moment just thinking on the death you know constantly thinking on the details of the death and I'm really trying to um, just focus on on the good that Caleb was in my life and Mm -hmm. and to everyone who knew him Mm -hmm. it's hard Mm -hmm. yeah oh it's really hard but and especially when you're so fresh yet I mean it's just so so fresh yeah, we're still, um, I mean, we're still trying to process what's happened. And, yeah. And, you know. No doubt you still have days that you wake up and you think for a second. I do. That everything is fine. And, mm-hmm. you know, it comes to me more at bedtime when I'm, when I'm kissing my girls goodnight and tucking them into bed. Mm-hmm. Because when I leave their bedroom, 
you know, Caleb's is right there. And I have mm-hmm. such a habit, you know, mus- muscle memory to turn into his room and talk to him, and, you know, give him a kiss goodnight, whatever. And mm-hmm. so every night, honestly, for like a split second, life is life is normal. Caleb is back. He's in his room. And I and then I go to, you know, and, and I, I take another step and I remember. Mm hmm. Nope, I can't talk to him. He's not in there. It's funny because it's been, you know, 16 months for us. And I still, at nighttime, when I go upstairs and I check on my other kids or something, my son Peter's door is closed and Catherine's door is closed, but Andy's door is open. And Uh I always just keep it open. and And it's so weird that still... I think for a split second, what's Andy's door doing open? Yeah. He should be sleeping. Why is he not sleeping? You know, right. and then I remember. Yes. But I never want to shut the door. See, my daughter. Because do- I can't. My daughter, so. my daughter asks me to keep it shut. To her, yeah. it's too hard to see the door open. And yeah. see, Caleb's door was never shut unless he was asleep. And so the fact that it's shut all the time is hard for me. But for her... Um, yeah. for her, you know, I understand and I'm like, okay, we can keep the door shut, you know, if it's really too hard for you to look in there. And I go in there quite often, um, nearly every day I go in there and I lay down in his bed and I just, I just let myself feel close to him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the shirt that he wore to church that Sunday, I have that and I could smell it, it you know, you just do, do whatever you can to just feel close to your child yes you do and sometimes you do do things for your kids that you don't feel like it's what you would do right but it's what they need yes and and I can I can better deal with it you know than than she can so I'm willing to to do that um I did want to share a really cool um story of how God has comforted me um I I was at the cemetery one night and I was just, I said, okay, God, if if you can see me, if you can hear me, then show me. And I I prayed and I asked him for specific things. And um, I asked him to play one of, let me hear a a song on the radio that Caleb liked. You know, my, my son is a huge Tennessee volunteers football fan, huge. And so I asked to see the color orange in a, you know, an unusual way. Um, I asked to see something about a lifeguard because he was a lifeguard. And I just said, okay, God, if you could hear me, if you could see me, then then show me some of these things. And um, mm-hmm. when I caught in the car, a song that Caleb really liked was on the radio by an artist he, he liked called, um, the song was called Better Now. And I just thought, wow, better now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. God, you know, and then the next morning I was driving to work and I saw two little boys waiting on at the bus stop and they had lifeguard hoodies on. And I thought, Uh okay, all right. I, I, I see that, you know, just thank you for that. And then I went to the ATM and I got $40 out and two twenties popped out. And one of the twenties had a orange sticker on it. And I thought, my word, yes, I couldn't believe it. My breath was taken away. And I just thought, okay, God, you see me and you hear me. And in that, that well, moment, everything you asked for, it, everything. it's everything I asked for. And, um, I had also been, you know, saying, I really miss hearing Caleb tell me that he loves me. 
I just, I miss hearing him say, I love you, mama. And um, I was, had, I had got into his um, iCloud and I had come across a, like a screen recording that he had done when um, he was on his mission trip. Um, I had said, I love you. And he screen recorded himself responding. I love you too. And then stopped oh. and then stopped recording. And I saw that for the first time when I was at the cemetery. Oh my word. And I'm sitting there at the cemetery at my son's gravesite. I can watch him typing love you too. And I just, mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. I played it again. And he, you know, you can see him typing love you too. And I watched it over and over and over while I couldn't hear him saying it to me. I was right there near his body and I'm watching him type love you too. And I just said, thank wow. you, God. I don't know why Caleb Screen recorded himself doing that, but I'm so glad that he did. You know, I never would have seen it. I never would have seen it if I didn't get into his uh, his iCloud and come across that little video. But now I have a video that watching my son type love you too. That's beautiful. It is. And I'm very grateful for it. Well, honestly, I think that's a beautiful way to end today is to end with that story. So I want to thank you again so much for sharing this story, as painful as it is. I do think it's an important one um, to spread and for others to hear. It is. And um, just to remember that Caleb is so much more than one moment on a horrible August Mm -hmm. day. Yes. Yes. The way that I can honor him is by living, loving, healing, and sharing our story to help others. Yes. Thank you, Chrissy. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time. <music>